Welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Round podcast. Today is the federal holiday, public holiday, for Juneteenth. On June 19, 1865, enslaved African Americans in Texas were told that they were free. A century and a half later, people across the U.S. continue to celebrate the day which is now a federal holiday. Juneteenth is an annual commemoration of the end of slavery in the United States after the Civil War has been celebrated by African Americans since the late 1800s. President Biden signed legislation last year that made Juneteenth, which falls on June 19th, a federal holiday after interest in the day was renewed during the summer of 2020 and the nationwide protests that followed the police killings of black Americans, including George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Now, there has been a noticeable increase in Juneteenth celebrations across the United States over the past few years, with this year's holidays coming just over a month after a white gunman killed 10 black people at the supermarket in Buffalo, one of the deadliest racist massacres in recent U.S. history. I will talk about this particular massacre in a few minutes, but let us continue with our story. We'll be right back after these messages. Slavery was abolished. 
but a lot of people didn't get the news. They never had digital media or social media where you get in, in, you are getting the information as it is happening, okay? And they never had express service. So when, the, when, the, when slavery was abolished and the news was sent, it took 30 years after, but you, can't, you cannot tell me that it, news took 30 years to travel. No, they got the news probably within the year but some people, or the, the people on some of these islands, the plantocracy, okay, the, the plantation masters and owners and so on, they did not, the status quo with these islands who were largely connected to the status quo in Britain, they did, the, the thing is, if they announce that slavery is abolished, then the slaves would have left the plantation immediately and there'd be no one to work the plantation so although slavery was abolished what they did was that over the 30 from 1865 up until 1864 uh -huh. they worked on a plan to ensure that they set up some kind of labor to man the plantations so as to prepare for the the um the lack of labor because the slaves would have would have left the plantation they would have nobody to work it and then that would have been costly for them as well so what they did was to set up what is known as indentured indentured servitude where that is why in some parts of the Caribbean you have a lot of Indians and 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 some Chinese because you had indentured servitude bond servants people who were um, probably incarcerated or owed some debt or whatever okay they were sold off to the to the British plantocracy, okay, and they had to work over, and then they were brought in to work the plantation, and they and they had to work for a period of time, and after they worked for a period of time, they could buy back their freedom, so But that is how it happened. So, between, so, it, so, anyways, but this 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 particular discussion is not about indentured servitude. This particular discussion was about what is happening in terms of the abolishment of slavery. I'm bringing it right back to the United States of America, where in Juneteenth yesterday, which was Monday, we just celebrated the Emancipation Proclamation of the, okay, the Emancipation of Slaves. Oh, sorry, not the Proclamation, sorry, the Emancipation of, of Slavery. No, when I just came to this country in 2009, and I've been living here for over 12 years. I just couldn't understand. Why is it that we don't have Emancipation Day in this country with marking the, the end of slavery? We don't have that. It's not a big thing. It's as if nobody was talking about it. When I, when I came here in 2009, nobody was talking about it. Nobody.
and I was like, I thought you you went to school. Did they do any kind of um? Did you did you did you know before recently that June nineteenth was Juneteenth was? Did you know what Juneteenth was? No, probably at the time in, at the time in, yes, I was I was probably getting the knowledge of it. I was learning, mm. but through the years, no, like no one has like really spoken about it. And, you know, it's just wish my memory. See, and so, you know, so at that, when I came in, so in Jamaica, spoken. in Jamaica, it's a big thing. Emancipation Day, and they have independence. Emancipation Day is huge. You know, it's a holiday. It's a big celebration of dance and music and drumming and um, church service and commemoration and food and family get together and concerts all over. It is one of the, and you have Sunday, whatever they should they have some fest or some big Jamaican reggae festival, and it is huge. Oh, it is amazing. And you, you know, you come here, you, it's like, it's not significant. The fact that you got, that you slavery, that your, your enslavement for your people, enslavement abolished, you have, it's not significant. Of course, it would suggest that, I mean, you're still living in a country, the same country from which you were enslaved. I know you're free to live in that country. But in a sense, it's not because, you know, you know why the problem, you know what the, I think the problem is. In one sense, in Jamaica, we, we, don't, we don't have a kind of racial issue in terms of a, or we, we're not categorized and they don't it's not we don't think in categories we're not conditioned to think in terms of racial terms like when you complete an application they'll ask you what your ethnicity is and if you're hispanic or non-hispanic or if you're black or white that is never on the question that is not something we're not conditioned to think in those ways here we're conditioned to think in those ways we are conditioned to think in racial terms and ethnic terms and in categorical terms. For what purpose, I don't know, but if you are a herder with goats and you want to exert more control over your goats or your cattle or your herd, then you category, you put them in categories. You separate them. When, when the slaves were taken from here, they were put in categories, but not in terms of likeness. They were separated so that they won't be able to have that. But in a sense, the way in which we control based on the outcome determines how we categorize. Okay, we separate people when we want to con- exert a particular kind of control, but okay, but we put them in categories when we want to exert another kind of control, but in but in a group kind of way. But maybe that, so I'm thinking is that is the thinking because here you are living in a country where you are free you please they still have statutes in this country that commemorate former slave owners and people and and people who did injustice to black people mm-hmm. while black people want them down want them to they're those who will want to commemorate them while on the others okay they're being celebrated while on the other spectrum we're not celebrating juneteenth and, and the next thing that we need to remember that the other spectrum is the the the, the people here the Americans, we, I'm, I'm about to be American, so I'm going to use the word we. We are 
condition to think in a particular way. Not only, uh, this is important, this is an important point, very important point I'm about to make here, is that emancipation, I mean, the, I said where people are conditioned to think in, but to celebrate Juneteenth on that same point of thinking in categorical terms, when black people and brown people are celebrating their emancipation, what's happening with the white people? What are they doing? Well, they first of all, they're they're passing laws in Florida that ban critical race theory, that ban people to think. So in a sense, to have a day like this, in one sense, would vilify black people, but in another sense, would bring about feelings of guilt and shame probably because we're already seeing people outlawing the critical race theory in schools so the thing is is it that it is not a major thing as a country because part of the country is consisted of those who are responsible or heritage of the people who are responsible for the same people who are who did injustice to the people who know who are who are the legacies of those people who want to now celebrate it so in a sense some people feel guilty while other people experience catharsis how do you bridge the gap between those who will experience catharsis from an action and those who will experience guilt and despair probably so and so popular and that's the challenge in a sense while in country and then you know you have some countries like some other caribbean islands are more monolithic and you look at the demographics so because jamaica is a monolithic country because in a sense majority of the people are black in that country so it is in a sense the black people come together and they are the ones who are they make it a big thing black people in this country do they make it a big thing then because if it is then that in some of these countries that are monolithic. But look at Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago is not really monolithic. It's really it's a dualistic country in the sense that it's 49% Trinidad. The 49% of the, 49% of the population of, of Trinidad is African-American or Indian. Well, 50, it's, between, it's split 50-50 or 49-51 between African-Americans. Sorry, not African, black people. And Indians in Trinidad and Tobago, just so you know, um, they split, but um, in a sense, they still celebrate independence and so on. But in America, it's, um, it's not a monolithic country, in a sense. And the issue of this and the issues of categories are pronounced in terms of how things are organized and so on and so forth. So I believe that's why, I do, and I said to you earlier, before we started the recording and after we should probably do a recording here because the next thing I so I'm so so the so the, the onus is then on African Americans to lobby to make the and they are powerful African Americans to lobby to make the the country to make the Juneteenth an important celebration. Oh this is how Jews can make it a holiday and don't go to work. They can take off on those days. On, on Jewish holidays, then for black people and brown people in this country, they should be able to take off from work. 
they should be able to take off from work and they should have celebrations and and they should be able to and resources but i said to you what they want to do they want to gather at 52nd street and or certain and march like i mean i said to you where is the celebration you know i you, you, the celebration of dance and music and ta- of talent and progress and where we are since labor where we have come but the fact that we're gathering to march would suggest then that we haven't really experienced change or we experienced some change or we have our life has always been about struggle so that all we know is to struggle or to work or to march or to resist or to resist i said to you several black scholars are now writing trying to reimagine the, the the black slave as not just victims but as resistors as fighters looking at the resistance and then i said to you some time ago Kyrie Irving the divinification of his black duppies and i use poetic terms to talk to speak if you understand poetry you understand exactly what i'm saying but, in st- still thinking about reimagining the black man and the slave with the neoliberal capitalism, we're also now thinking about bringing it right back to uh, Kyrie Irving being the vilification, the vilification of his black duppies. You know, I'm going to talk about the, to vilify or the vilification of something of his black dope. Dopeys is a very important word in Africa. If you're African-American, you probably will understand all Caribbean. Dopeys mean ghosts. And I'm here alluding to his past when these people were locked in chains or were forced beyond their will to do certain things that, okay, people who were subjugated and coerced into complicitly being you being you to comply with their body being penetrated to provide sexual gain and economic gain and they could not do anything probably yes they tried and because we talk about the resistance of the black man to do what they could do but largely they were they were estranged from any kind of individualism and humanhood or humanness or the humanity, so to speak. So uh, here we have a lot of black people I see that very aggressive and, and they resist. And I said to you, in a sense, it's a vilification because they come from when they walked off the plantation. It was a victory. It was reclaiming there when they realized that they were free reclaiming their individuality reclaiming their and i said and i use the word reclaim because in a sense there was nothing to reclaim so because many of them were their parents were came here as slaves and they were born into slavery all they knew were slavery and to be subjugated that's all they knew and what is it okay but they also knew what was passed down to them from their parents who fought to try to ensure that they had a sense of the individual, a sense of worth, okay, which was lacking. So when you see people like Kyrie Irving who resisted 
vaccination than many black people who resisted this kind of mandate to be vaccinated because they are suspicious of the system. We talk about the history, the history, the record of people who have been abused to these people and so that, and okay, and the pattern of resistance, yes. And in a sense, and that they, they are able to exercise their freedom, their relatively gained freedom, which they're still fighting because it wasn't until 1960, 64, I believe, that black people got civil rights in this country. The Civil Rights Act was passed in this country, in the U.S. They could say they were slave, they were enslaved, but they, were, they, still, never, they still never had rights. But now he has rights, you know, in a sense. It's a vilification for him. It's a victory for him. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a sense of, 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 of it's a new sense of worth. The fact that you can now demonstrate that, all of that, and, you know, and I said people, and that's the way we, and so Juneteenth, what I said to you, Juneteenth is all, we're still, we're still marching and we're still, where is it, but where is the celebration? Why can't we make it into a big celebration instead of just marching in the sun? <laughs> I had said previously in the in the recording just now that um, it's Juneteenth, which marks the end of slavery in America. It's not something that seems to be a major celebration, the kind of celebration that you have on Independence Day, marking the free, um, marking the independence of America as a nation, um, but the, marking the end of the subjugation of a people. It's major, and I I had indicated that. It, it seems to have not been uh, the, way, the way in which we're not making it a big thing, a, a, a big thing, in a sense. It's not, as if it is not significant. Um, there are small gatherings here and there. And in fact, I was just speaking to a young man who went to work today. He works at FedEx, an African-American young man. And I said, do you know that today was a federal holiday? He said, no, today's a federal for what? It's Juneteenth. He said, Juneteenth? What's that? And, you know, even African-Americans don't know what Juneteenth is. A lot of us, a lot of young people. I mean, they know that they are free, but when did this happen? What is significant? How significant is it? But as I said, that, that the significance of that, of, of marking the end of slavery, clashes with something else. It clashes with those who are the guilt feelings or who may have guilt feelings as a result of this. So it's... You know, but then again, I say to you that um, I was looking at Jamaica and seeing that Jamaica, please, um, Texas, slavery, Africans enslaved didn't know that slavery was abolished until 1965 because they lived in Texas. And Texas was one of those states that were not part of the original union. United, in 1776 or 1775 and um, and they fought during the civil civil war okay they fought in the civil war Texas was opposed to to ending slavery and 
they were opposed to the union and this on this particular so issue as well and because of their dependence on that kind of labor when the world had found the other part the other states had found a way to move on from using slave labor and the kind of the, the, the way the, 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 the kind of change in the terms of the revolutionary change in terms of in terms of how we think about work how we think about labor how we how we think about technology how we think about how society is arranged the, the, in terms of economically that was changing so that we talk about um, wage labor as against another kind of, of satchel labor so I'm sorry slavery and so Texas dependent on this kind. So for them, I guess they they fought fiercely not to end, not to end slavery. But uh, after they were not part of a union that had declared um, slave slaves free. But after they lost, after they lost to the Union Army, then Texas and Texas became part of the union in a sense then all the slaves also who were living in texas the african-american slaves who were living in texas they were also accorded freedoms the freedoms now that were accorded to the other states is now extended to those states that were opposed to slavery and were fighting against ending slavery and so the law that abraham lincoln had signed in january 19, in J january of 1963 that allowed all Af um, t that abolished slavery or ended slavery that was that did not extend to to those in texas until after the civil war ended But when we compare that, um, and uh, uh, so that's, and and but however we must come in Texas because Texas was the f one of the first was one of the first states to make Juneteenth, which is uh, a federal holiday, a federal holiday. We'll be right back after these messages. Now, concerning the issue of this year's holiday coming just over a month after a white gunman killed 10 black people at the supermarket in Buffalo, for those of us who don't know the story, you can um, refer to the Times or to the Associated Press. But a young man, I think 18 years old, from Buffalo, a teenage young man, who is enthralled and enticed by white supremacist ideology known as replacement theory, opened fire at the supermarket in Buffalo on Saturday. Replacement theory. Open fire at the supermarket in Buffalo on Saturday, methodically shooting and killing 10 people and injuring three more, almost all of them black, in one of the deadliest racist massacres in recent American history. The authorities identified the gunman as 18-year-old Peyton S. Grendon of 
Cockling, a small town in New York's rural southern tier. Mr. Brendan drove more than 200 miles to mount his attack, which he also live-streamed, and police said... The police said it was a chilling video feed that appeared designed to promote his sinister agenda. Now, why am I saying this? I have said to you that we are... We have this wrong. We have this wrong. The, the, we will never be able to deal with the issue of gun violence with bad analysis. I said to you, the logic that people have is not right. P P bad analysis or from a logic that may seem logical, but it may, it's nonsensical. We start from a logic saying that guns kill people guns don't kill people but we start from that logic to say that guns kill people and then move from that logic to curb gun violence move from that logic to to put restrictions on the gun because we start from a logic saying that guns kill people when guess what that is not the logic i say to you guns are just tools of people people kill people that is the logic that we must begin with if, 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 we as a, if we as a society, if we're going to deal with the issue of gun violence, rising gun violence, we have to begin, we have to take the right approach. And it begins with doing good analysis. People begin with people kill people because life is about people and how people relate. So the issue then here, it is with human nature. It is with people. And I say to you, well, I, when, we can, when we start to look, so, so therefore, once we have to take a multifaceted approach. I say to you, I'm from, I'm from, I used to live in Jamaica. I'm from Jamaica, and Jamaica has the most restrictive policy. And what that has done is that it has created a, a gun for drug trade. A gun for drug trade. Okay? So that now the criminal elements have access to guns. And they, even, and they created a whole market, a whole trade with Haiti in the 80s and preceding years where they give them drugs, give Haiti drugs and the criminal elements exchange that for guns and they give them guns. And Jamaica has one of the highest crime rates with the most restrictive parts. So I'm saying to you, it is not. It is people. People are creative. People, we have brains. Guns don't have brains. People have brains. People create to make things serve them. People create tools so that they can utilize tools to serve their evil or their best intentions. So if you want to deal with the issue of gun violence, you deal with the issue of, you deal with, it's people we have to deal. The issue is people. Deal with poverty, yes? Because poverty correlates with rising crime and violence, okay? Deal with the issue of extremism. And I just read to you where the 18-year-old guy, Peyton, in Buffalo killed 10 African-American people because he was practicing replacement theory, a theory that is part of what is known as supremacist, white supremacist ideology. White supremacist ideology as we celebrate juneteenth as we celebrate the end 
of the subjugation of a people, the end of the enslavement of a people. We have people who are actively trying to replace those people through violence, you, okay? Replacement theory. And they're doing that, and they feel justified in doing that. And I said to you, people and their great and their wild intentions, these people. So whether, what we have in this country is a rise of extremism. Deal with the issue of extremism. Okay? Deal with how people, how people think. Reorganize their minds and their thoughts. That's what I said. The social decay in society. What people are feeding their brains on. I mean, you look, listen to the music. You listen to the music. It is kill this, kill that. I mean, no value for, the hum, for humanity. No respect for, 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 the, for the other. So if people walk around feeding their minds, young people walk around feeding their minds with things that says, that, that devalue the individual. You know what we have on our hands? A catastrophe. Thank you for listening again to another episode of the Neoliberal Round Podcast. Please support the Neoliberal Round Podcast by going to anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash the Neoliberal, T-H-E-N-E-O-L-I-B-E-R-A-L slash support. And remember, the Neoliberal Round is brought to you by the Neoliberal Corporation that is serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. Visit us at visit us at the or renaldocmckenzie.com. What good? <laughs>